0: Good morning everyone. This is episode 6 of the Broker Breakdown with myself and James. As always, um got another episode for you guys this week. Excited about it because it's a it's a really hot topic. I think it's going to cover quite a few different questions or concerns that people might have regarding, you know, their own vehicles. So this one's going to hit home with a lot of different drivers, James, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm seeing this like across the board with a lot of people that I talk to, um, and then a lot of groups I'm in, like on social media and whatnot. So I was really excited when when you kind of brought this to mind the other day, and then I was like, oh, you know what? Like actually, I've been seeing this trend across a lot of um, groups I'm in. So yeah, I'm really excited to kind of start talking about some of the um topics
0: in regards to modifications to vehicles. Yeah, so that'll be the overall general. So for people, you know, wanting to know, you know what is it gonna be about today, we're gonna to highlight a few different areas that are worth discussing here back and forth from everything to vehicle mods, whether they are, you know, maybe just just visual, uh, wraps, so vehicle wraps is a massive thing nowadays in our landscape. Um, as well as what you should tell insurance companies, you know, what you should advise your advisor or broker about. Again, a simple five minute phone call could save you a headache in the event of a claim. So that is today's episode. We'll we'll jump right into that. Um, I guess the the thing that I wanted to quickly chat about, and then James, you can kind of let me know your thoughts after that as well. So and actually I did it as part of my networking group there just yesterday. I brought it up as as kind of my, my little 30-second plug that I do every week. Um, but vehicle wraps. So in, the, in today's landscape, I mean, when you're driving down the highway nowadays, there are so many branded vehicles out there, right? For everything, every industry you could imagine. I mean, vehicles are now you know, almost marketing vessels when you think about them because the amount of stuff that goes on to vehicles, especially commercial, is 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 just, just crazy when you see it. Um, but vehicle wraps in general, you know, what do people need to tell insurance companies about them like how how do they how do they start off with that
1: yeah like i think if you're going to be changing anything on your vehicle you definitely should have a conversation with your advisor to make sure that one the insurance company you're with is going to be acceptable of that again when it comes to wraps like we're in an age where obviously we've had the technology now where it is more of a cheaper if you're basically just going to go off it like it's basically a paint job where you're literally just changing the color of your vehicle, um, I think it is cheaper than painting a vehicle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, yeah. Got to be. Got to yes. be. Yes. So, again, people do go down that avenue. So, realistically, like if you're just wrapping over a vehicle mm-hmm. just to change paint color, I would probably have a two-second conversation with your advisor just to make sure. Again, that's not really a, a very, very risky uh, modification you can make to your vehicle however when you're going to more things like where you're um, like advertising on your vehicle and we're going to more into the commercial world again if your vehicle is set up properly where it is being used for commercial purposes again a two-minute conversation with your advisor is all that's really needed because again if it's advertising your business again most insurance companies will just look at that and be like okay fine Um, But again, just to make sure that an insurance company is going to be okay with that, like I said, I would just call into your trusted advisor, have that conversation with them, and then have them research and make sure that you're doing everything properly. Because at the end of the day, the last thing you want is to basically do all this stuff, pay all this money for a wrap or a paint job or whatever it might be, and then turn around and have a claim and your insurance company deny it or even deny coverage or even cancel you possibly
0: because you didn't disclose these changes to your vehicle. Right. And you know what? A lot of people don't necessarily know that just because you have put additional money in, for example, to wrap your vehicle, if you're owning it as like, you know, it is owned by, you know, James, by you or by me, and it's in our personal name, but the vehicle is wrapped for, you know, quote, commercial purposes. So you're using it basically to advertise your own, you know, your own business, for example, there could be an element there that the insurance company says, hey, you know, it." I know it's your personal vehicle, but you're using it for XYZ company that you own. You know, is the actual usage then really personal use as you've disclosed it? Or is it more for business and commercial use? And this is where the conversation hits um, a little bit of a gray area. Because I think you could make it a, a clear argument that if you're wrapping a vehicle with your business name, whatever industry you do, the vehicle is being used as a marketing tool for your business whether you're you know whether you're picking up things whether you're just visiting clients whether or not you're just basically a work from home business um not selling anything but like maybe a service for example james like let's just say like a real estate agent or an insurance broker but you're still using it for business every day right like it is still a commercial vehicle so i think that's a big thing and i i know a lot of people out there uh, probably have stuff on their their vehicles used as like more of a marketing thing but haven't talked about it so I, you got to make that phone call because one I'll let you know that not uh, there's a misconception that commercially rated insurance policies for auto so a commercial auto in our in our field there is more expensive than a personal auto and that is not necessarily the case. I've seen lots of people that you can actually insure the same vehicle for slightly cheaper or a very similar price commercially versus personal, especially depending on what you're using it for. There's different risks. And I know we're not going to really jump into that, but the point is it's worth a phone call. It is not necessarily more money. So we got to squash that misconception right now. Um, But like you just pointed out, James, if there's a claim and the, the, everything we talk about in our business is always what ifs, right? It, it's always talking about the worst case scenario. But if there was a claim, and that wrap, or maybe decal is like, let's say two or $3,000. And I don't know the price, but let's just use it for a number's sake. Is the insurance company going to pay for that? Or is it something they're going to say, whoa, 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 we didn't know about this. Like you said, A, are we going to you know, basically say, sorry, we're denying your claim because clearly this is a commercial policy. B, they might just not pay for the wrap itself, but pay for your vehicle. Or C, cancel the policy for, you know, kind of like non-disclosure or misrepresentation. There's a bunch of negatives, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at to not disclosing that.
1: A hundred percent. And like you pointed out there, there's a lot of gray areas to this because I know a lot of people that like drive, let's say, a not commercial vehicle, like, I don't know, a Corolla or a Honda Civic, right? And they might have a service, like you were saying, they might have like a cleaning service or they ha- might have um, like a, a marketing company or a, like a, a design, like a logo design company. Right. So again, they're really not that the, the vehicle is not really a commercial vehicle, but they still are like advertising on it. So there is, there yeah. are still great areas right. in that circumstance where again, some companies might straight up say, we will not have, advertising on a vehicle whatsoever regardless if it is personal um so like i said just make sure you're not in those gray areas because again the last thing you want is again you have a small little service or like maybe even like a side hustle and you're even promoting it on like your vehicle and again worst case i, I i've never seen it in my time where they denied a whole claim because of something that little but again yeah. they might they might just not like replace what that Cost you so that costs you five thousand dollars to put on your vehicle. I just they just probably won't basically cover that side of things,
0: right? Yeah, you know, because we're not adjusters and we don't work for the insurance companies again, we're those kind of middleman brokers. As you guys probably are aware, you know, we we come at this from what we understand in the marketplace. Um, it's it's you know, some might say, Why can't you give us an exact answer? But the reality is. every one of those insurance companies has a different viewpoint on that and claims um, are handled differently by different insurance companies. I wouldn't even
1: say just insurance companies. I would say adjusters as well, because again, it's, it's right. there are rules. Obviously there are rules set, but again, like it depends on who you get as well. Because again, if someone, I don't want to, be like blunt but like if if someone's a brand new adjuster and they're literally just going by the book what what the book says then again you might have a little bit more or a little less kind of leeway and less less flexibility when it comes to a claim um right however if you have someone that's been in the industry for a long time like understands the circumstances and again kind of comp- i don't want to say flex the rules but again it, there are times where that happens Again, it all depends on the rules, right? Like so, and every company is going to have different rules set out. That's why there's multiple insurance companies and not just one. Every insurance company has rules, of how they pay out claims, how they investigate claims, all that kind of stuff. So it really just breaks down to what insurance company you're with and basically the rules that they have set out by whichever insurance company you're insured
0: with at the time. Exactly the the all the companies have their own insights. Um, as to what they will maybe look at versus not, they all also, uh, as as we've mentioned before, they all have specific appetites for what they're looking at. So some might be looking at wraps differently than others. Um, the point the point being, you know, if you have a broker, you have your advisor, you have your independent, you know, insurance company, whoever you kind of deal with, the biggest thing you want to do is ensure that if you do want to wrap your vehicle, maybe it just is a quick conversation saying, "Hey, this is what I'm doing." It's still going to be in my personal name. Does this count as, you know, is this A going to be paid for or B, does this count as a modification or C, is it better to incorporate? There's a couple different answers that we can provide better insight with on the insurance side of that purchase. So it's easy for all of us just to kind of go ahead and, and make decisions in the moment and then not necessarily know those repercussions or potential consequences at that at that time is what I wanted to get across. Exactly. Yep. And you made you made a good point earlier by just saying, you know, especially during COVID times, a lot of people started upside hustles. They did home made businesses. They did service businesses. They did things that, you know, they lost their job and they did that thing that they've always wanted to do. So there's a lot of people in the last two to three years that have started up very small scale um kind of lower revenue operations as like a side hustle per se. And they the, the way that we market now is through social media and cars have become a massive thing on that. So it's an industry trend that has definitely been newer. I mean, you could make an argument that for decades, commercial fleets and massive corporations have always had specifically branded vehicles for advertising, marketing, and, and how they do business. But it hasn't really trickled down to the personal Person, right? The individual until I think, I think COVID um, fleets, you always see, right? Branded up vehicles, they kind of got the equity to do that. So, especially now, we're going through this industry trend where the insurance companies are probably going to jump on board the same way they did with like, you know, Uber and Uber Eats and those types of things as they became larger in Canada a few years ago. But it takes time. So, the point being is until we kind of get to society where this becomes the norm and everyone says, I'm buying this 2022, you know, let's just say uh Ford F-150 that it came to mind. I want to use it for my construction or contracting business and it's going to be fully wrapped. Until that becomes the conversation, one, we got to do, I think, a better job as, as insurance professionals of saying, what do you, what, do you have anything on your vehicles or any modifications? Or B, the client should be aware of saying, hey, I'm going to put in four grand into additional buy-ups, in, in this case, a wrap, as we're chatting about, does it have any any implications on my insurance policy?
1: Yeah, I think the onus, onus obviously falls on both the broker and the client. Obviously, the broker can ask every single question in the book possible to get the answers out of the client, but if the client does not want to disclose that information, then obviously, how's the broker ever going to know? It's not like we can drive to everyone's houses and make sure that people are Giving us all the proper information possible, right? But like I said, it's also on the customer too. If the customer's spent throwing twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, or however much it might be, into modifying a fleet, then yeah, that should be disclosed because again, that's added value to a to a fleet or even to a single vehicle, even if it's two thousand dollars. But again, in the event of a claim, you want to make sure that that's paid out properly, so you're not having to pay that have to pay that out of pocket again if you have to re buy a new vehicle get it wrapped again or whatever it might be right so right i would i would like i said i know we're harping on it but it's literally a two-minute conversation email call your broker whoever it might be and again have that discussion find out if your insurance company is going to be okay with it find out if there's other options if your insurance company is not going to be okay with it um if there's added value to it make sure the values may be increased because again at the time of a claim if it's a total like loss you want to make sure that you're being compensated properly and not undercompensated because this was not disclosed before a claim happened.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that takes up kind of our little wrap section. Uh, and then James, you wanted to talk about two, which I know you're excited about because you're kind of in this field and, and, and know people too, but just other general modifications and whatnot, lifts and, and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, there's so many modifications that, we, that we're that going to go over in this Um, episode very generally but the one that really hits home to me because I do drive a a pickup is um, lifts, tires, rims, that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people in the truck groups I'm in, uh, like social networks I'm in, same thing they all have lifts or majority of them have lifts on their vehicle either it might be from the factory or um, like obviously after the fact. Again I know Chevrolet is the big um, company that in the last few years, they already put a lot of, or they already put factory lifts in their trucks. Um, Again, lifts are very, very popular. And obviously with lifts, a lot of people also put bigger rims, bigger tires, all that kind of jazz on their vehicles. And again, I'm not saying that they're bad. I, personally, I do like, I, I'm not a huge lift guy. I personally like more of a level on my truck if I ever got one. I just like how the, the it kind of levels out the vehicle instead of it being like more like front heavy. But anyways, regardless of that, um, yeah, I just I, I do think that if you're the the manufactured lifts, most insurance companies won't have a problem with because they're being manufactured and built that way straight from the factory. Uh, again, there are some companies that still have an issue With lifts that come from the factory but i would say majority of insurance companies don't have an issue when it comes to factory manufactured lifts however when you start getting to the aftermarket lifts where again it doesn't matter if it is a licensed mechanic or if you're doing it yourself there are companies that do have issues with lift kits with bigger tires bigger rims that kind of stuff so you want to make sure if you are doing that stuff to your trucks, and even again, I know I'm talking about lift kits, but I'm, this can also be considered as lowering kits and suspension uh, modifications. Cause I know a lot of people with smaller cars, they do like, they'll do lowering on their vehicle to make it lower to the ground and whatnot. So regardless, if you're lifting your vehicle or if you're lowering your vehicle, make sure you're having that conversation with your broker and making sure that the insurance company that you're with is not going to have an issue with it. Again, just a kind of review, manufactured lifts, like I said, majority of companies don't have issues with that. It's when you start getting into the aftermarket stuff that some insurance companies will say, we don't want this. Again, less options, but there are still options. So make sure that you're doing your homework. You're asking your insurance broker. Again, if it's after the fact, making sure that you're disclosing it. Because the insu- as, as me as a broker, I send all my clients that have lift kits on their trucks to a few companies that I know that don't have issues with it so again I don't want to send you to a company that's going to have an issue with it and then after the fact if there is a claim they have um, they possibly can deny a claim I look all the time on my groups and I'm seeing all the time people with lift kits on their trucks and there's times where insurance companies will flat out not cover the lift kit so whatever the lift kit might cost you $1,000, $2,000, they will not pay. I've seen straight up where insurance companies will not pay out with the claim, period, because the lift kit's been installed. So I would say, again, like the wrap, like a paint job, make sure you're disclosing it. Because I find lift kits, especially, and possibly even lowering kits, are very, very popular right now. So again, I would just have that discussion, make sure it's disclosed, and making sure that the worst case doesn't happen. And again, coverage is not decline or even possibly a policy is canceled because information is
0: not being disclosed to the insurance company. There's, there's a part to that too. I've had it in my experience. Uh, it doesn't come across the desk very often, but I have had experiences with, um, with people that have obviously lifted up their trucks too, James in the past. And the one thing that's come around as a constant um, requirement and, or just talking point with, with, with the providers um, is like, you know, a structural safety. So depending on who's, who's actually completed the work. Cause it's one of those things where some people go to reputable places that kind of specialize in that others may or may not. And I've actually had it in the past where the companies have said, Hey, we might be okay with this, but you got to provide a little bit further documentation to say that moving forward, this is, you know, it was, it was installed by someone professionally able to do this and that the actual workmanship's good and the ministry basically approves it.
1: Yeah. Like obviously if you're doing it in your driveway, like you might not be the most licensed professional to be doing this stuff. And again, I know, I know like most of my social group drives v- trucks. And again, I'm not going to flat out deny that I have friends that will straight up do this stuff themselves. Um, I'm not obviously promoting you to, to do any of this kind of stuff yourself, but again, they're, Obviously people are like uh, if they just don't want to, they don't want to pay for it because again, they're paying for whatever the suspension kit costs and then the labor behind it. Right. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but again, if you are going to be doing this kind of stuff, I would definitely approach a licensed professional that knows how to do this kind of stuff to make sure the vehicle is safe to drive after the fact, because again, you're adding different parts to a vehicle that it wasn't built to, to have it that way. These are modifications that are after the fact, right? Even from the factory too. I'm not saying factory lifts are meant to to be like that, right? But again, they're licensed professionals. They're, and again, they're putting their liability on the lines to put these stuff in.
0: Um, That's part of it, right? So in, in the past, when you insure a vehicle, I think there's this, almost this onus from the big manufacturers that when we're insuring a vehicle, majority of the time, There is an assumption that the vehicle, you know, has been manufactured by a reputable a reputable manufacturer, which it is, right? There's not too many vehicles out there that are that are hopefully modified by mom and pop kind of a guy in the backyard doing things. So there's this assumption that that's all been good. So we really the industry really is taking a stance for it, saying, "Give me the VIN, we know the make, model, and year." You know, the questions might end there in a lot of cases, but it's interesting as you say that. If you're going to be getting aftermarket anything, you know, that's where somebody else could do it and there's not necessarily that standard, because it could technically be anyone doing that work, which is where the insurance companies say, oh, hold on, hold on. Who's you know, who made who made these parts? Who's installing it? Are they qualified? All of those questions really don't get asked from a from a regular vehicle that's stock from a from you know from a manufacturer.
1: Yeah, I think um kind of splitting this up a little bit. I think there's two kind of sides of modifications that we want to be clear about there. And what we kind of talk about in the insurance industry, um, one being appearance mods. And again, appearance mods wraps and paint jobs would obviously fall under that. Um, a lot of people that don't realize actually spoilers also fall under appearance mods. Then there's performance mods. So performance mods, again, technically speaking, even though it does make your truck look different, A lift kit is technically a performance mod. Again, another very popular um, thing to put on trucks, cold air intakes in the engine. Again, that is a performance mod. So before you are doing this stuff, make sure that you're asking to make sure these things are going to be okay. Some insurance companies have no problem with it. They usually will just document what it is. They make the value and if it was installed, who was installed by, that kind of stuff. Other insurance companies, it is a big X. They will deny coverage, and they'll usually just say, we're either going to cancel this policy, and you'll have to go elsewhere, or we'll cancel on a renewal, whatever it might be. So those are really the two main categories when it comes to it. Appearance mods, a little bit less risky, usually not that much of a deal. And then performance mods, again, it's going to be case by case, company by company, what they're going to approve, what they're going to decline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's appearance. Things are different too, because I think the appearance, um, if it's not structural, it it's, I, there's a lot of people out there that probably do those types of things, but that's a whole different, it's a slightly different realm too, right? Because it's, um, it's things that people are doing person themselves, which isn't always what the insurance companies are looking for. So it's, it's a slightly different realm because none of that none of that sc- stuff is always talked about from clients either. No, like for example, like maybe like a spoiler, right, or something small like that. I get if there's going to be a claim, you're probably going to be okay with respect to a few of those slight things, um, because it's it's you know it's not going to get paid out anyways. Or if it is, maybe it's just a small amount. It's it's the big stuff, right? That insurance companies are working that are worried about when it comes to mods. Usually, I know one big one that
1: again it wasn't really an insurance. Talking point, but I know like the city of Hamilton was big on this last summer when they were really cracking down on like exhausts and mufflers and how, right. like, and some like were super, super loud. Again, changing your muffler or your exhaust again, that is another <laughs> to me. Like, I obviously there is performance behind that, I like how the engine basically gets like auctioned, all that kind of stuff. I'm not a mechanic, but I know like it, there are things behind it that obviously change the function of the vehicle. Um, again, but exhausts are technically a performance enhancing modification. I'm actually reading a, um, article here from the, from global, um, from 2021 from a gentleman in Whitby that he changed over his exhaust, paid $2,000 for an exhaust in a Subaru, uh, BRZ and, the insurance company at the time I won't name names but if you want to look up the the article you definitely can they actually refused coverage after he got into a total loss because he did not disclose to him that there was a customized exhaust installed it doesn't say in the article here if he was if it was installed at Subaru or if it was after the fact it does disclose here that he did have the factory exhaust At home because it was a leased vehicle so obviously he has to give the vehicle back how it was when he bought it but it does not say if it was factory installed or if it was installed after the fact so again right right that just goes to show that these are risks that you're taking if you are making modifications to your vehicle and you're not disclosing this to your insurance company again maybe not insurance based but If you're doing exhausts or anything that's making your vehicle louder, again, I know the Hamilton police were cracking down on this last summer where they're basically going after any loud exhaust and ticketing people for it. Um, So again, I would just ride on the side of caution if you are interested in doing this stuff, making sure that you know what the risks are, making sure you are disclosing it to your insurance company. And again, not from an insurance standpoint, but again, you are more of a target when it comes to police especially in cities and I know I think Toronto also did it as well um last summer maybe the in the springtime and I don't and I think Hamilton's actually now making it like a, a annual thing for like a month that they will be basically cracking down on louder exhaust and engines and that kind of stuff
0: Oh interesting I didn't know that
1: Yeah I it's it was I think it only started last year or the year before so it's just yeah, it's a it's a thing, and again, it's not a it's not a a provincial thing. I think it's a municipal thing, but I think other towns and cities are starting to jump on the thing or jump on the the bandwagon as well to basically kind of crack down on noise and neighborhoods and stuff like that. So again, right, just know you right. know the risks, know what you're basically doing, because again, it might not be insurance based. It might again, you might be a more of a target when it comes now to police officers if you do have a louder
0: exhaust or whatever it might be or muffler so right right you know there was one quick thing i wanted to bring up too on a different topic but fits into this episode really really well um and it's it's kind of stuff that pe- i know people have questions about so when you have and it's it's slightly different it's not a mod but it is like attachments to a vehicle that are basically used permanently right so for example something like a roof rack For example, and or uh, the big ticket item that I know a lot of people ask about all the time is car seats, right, James? I don't know if you've ever if you've talked to people like that, but I got I got a lot of people that have kids, and I know one of the things I see on social a lot is you know the the car seat conversation with respect to that. So I guess there's only two quick points I'll make. If it's a permanent fixture. Uh, to the vehicle and I'll use the car seat or I'll use like the roof rack, for example, it is on there. Yes. You've, you've maybe added on yourself, but it is, it is used in the car as that, as a permanent. It's not that temporary thing. It is normally, and I'll say normally, cause again, every claim could be different. So I don't, I can't speak to an adjusters mindset there. Exactly normally that would be paid out with your car insurance claim if it happened because it is a permanent thing. So it's paid out as part of the car claim. It's not looked at as contents. So the one thing that I know not everyone knows about is that if let's say, so when you're insuring your vehicle, you're insuring the actual vehicle itself, not your stuff inside of the car. So if you have a claim where maybe someone has broken your windshield and um, or i i use a I use a window a side window, so a theft claim for example, um, and they stolen things out of your vehicle, the contents of your vehicle are typically insured under a homeowner's or a renter 's policy, some type of property policy if you have one, the vehicle damage itself is paid out through car insurance. That's always how it's been. So car seats are typically the exception to that because they are a fixture inside that car. So usually it would be paid out if there was like uh, a claim that usually is paid out under the under the car insurance. So wanted to make that distinction point because I know that's a big thing that people ask about all the time. I also know that a lot of parents always say, you know, car seats are super expensive. If you're spending six hundred dollars on a car seat and it's damaged in a claim there are very specific specs on car seats as well on what type of, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure somebody could correct me, but I'm I'm pretty sure that if there's any damage and the car seat is not um, to the exact specs it was manufactured, it really can't even be used for child safety is what I understand. No, they will. No, you you can't, (laughs) you should not be modifying (laughs) a car seat. No, no, but the point was being, on that mod side, you know, if you put a car seat in, which a lot of families do, and it's damaged, it doesn't have to be a property claim. It, it's usually paid out under the car insurance. Yeah, usually.
1: And again, like I really like this topic because a lot of people, especially with SUVs, they'll have like the roof rack, the kayak or the canoe rack, the bike rack on the back, right? So there are things that people add to their vehicles. I know Subarus are big with it. Obviously, Jeeps are big with those kind of things as well. And again, most other SUVs have this kind of stuff. Um, But those again, those are very, very low risk usually put on at the factory or after the fact. Again, those are usually not big talking points when it comes to modifications. Um, One I did actually want to point out to they have on this list is tinted windows. And I think one thing I want to kind of point out that this article actually says, and again, it's actually from one of the insurance companies we use, is it says you can tint your back windows to any intensity, which I don't, that is totally false. You cannot tint your windows to any intensity. I don't believe, I don't know what the actual percentage is. You can, but you definitely cannot uh, tint them to any intensity, but um, you can tint your, obviously your side windows. You cannot tint your windshields though. So that is, if you're tinting windshields, that is definitely going to be a time where if you're in an accident and the insurance company finds that your windshield has been tinted, that could t- possibly come into the fact of is, do you actually have a clear view? If this window was not tinted, does this accident basically get like not happen, right? Is this avoidable? So that's another right. big one that I th- a lot of people I don't think
0: really realize Um, I never knew, I, I actually don't know almost anything about tint. I, I, it's funny. I actually, my Elantra has like a very stock tint that came with it when I purchased it back in 2013. And of course I wasn't really in insurance then or it just started. So I don't, I didn't have any knowledge, but I didn't know that you, there was intensity levels that were, I I don't hear about them in the States all the time, but I didn't know that there was like rules on the back windshield, for example.
1: Yeah. It's cause the thing is, is that it's technically illegal, but and I'm using air quotes as I'm talking, but a lot of, again, cops usually don't go after this kind of stuff because it's so minimal. You have to be really doing something really stupid for a cop to basically pull you over and they might ticket you for the window as well. So right, right. again, just don't tint your windshields. It's not, it's not, a, it's not legal to do that. If you want to tint your side windows all for it, again, The only risk I'm going to basically tell you is that if a cop sees it and really wants to pull you over, they might also take you for a window depending on what the intensity level is on the windshield or on the side windows. I don't have exact numbers of what the legal limit is because the legal limit is different depending on what province you're in and what state you're in actually. So um, just look into that before you are doing that stuff, but please do not tint your windshields. Yeah,
0: front ones. I, yeah, I don't have anything there. I can tell you that even even a minimal amount on the sides, actually I find it funny, is like when you're driving down anywhere dark, for example, at nighttime, when you have like anything on your sides, uh, anyone that has any type of, even even regular tint when it's dark, you got to roll down your window, eh? To like oh, my, see if you're going to turn left. My uh,
1: girlfriend hates driving my truck at night because I have a tint on my sides and she's like, I cannot even see out your windows. And I don't yeah. th- I don't even think my windows are even that tinted. And she cannot stand driving my truck at night because she's like, I can't see. She'll have right. to literally roll the
0: windows down to see at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's So there's definitely, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it, there's there's definitely some pros and cons to them. I'm not going to, I'm not really for or against. I have it on mine just because I, I bought it like that in 2013. And it's very, very minor, but, um, I can definitely see like limousine style, you know. Oh yes, people cannot. You cannot, do, <laughs> you cannot I mean, be you,
1: doing that on your regular vehicle. There's no way you're allowed to do that.
0: Oh, no, you're just not. See, you're not seeing anything at no. that point. Um, um, what other what other mods and stuff, James? Did you have in mind?
1: Well, we've kind of gone over all the negative ones. We've gone over the appearance. We've gone over the performance, and again, kind of going over some of the general stuff: suspension lowering, lifting. We've done engine mods, cold what air what, intake. What about tires? I kind of went over that with the, the 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 lifts and stuff. If you're getting bigger tires or smaller tires, rims, that kind of stuff. Again, those are things you should be disclosing because if you're getting a, a more expensive set of tires, that should be disclosed to your insurance company because it's not just a regular set off yeah. the shelf, right? If you're spending two three grand on tires. And again, I know a lot of truck guys do that because once you're getting bigger tires, obviously bigger tires are usually more expensive. You should be disclosing that to your insurance company.
0: I'll make I'll make one point on that too, which goes into two different aspects, one of which is just the overall cost. Because if you're spending extra on there uh, and you want those tires basically insured to be paid out if there's a claim, one, you should definitely document, keep maybe keep a receipt about what those four tires are in terms of cost, your insurance company knows just because if you want them paid out, you're probably going to pay a little extra on that modification. But for two, the other very small topic on tires I wanted to bring up is that a lot of larger trucks, Jeeps, different things that have like the larger, um, you know, um, kind of mud tires, I guess, as they're called, or whatnot, that are kind of way more heavy duty, yeah. off-road if, mud tires. Yeah, yeah. If you have those, one thing that one thing to always check is that most of those will also have ratings on the side for if they're if they're snow worthy. They'll have like that mountain or a snowflake or something, and those actually would still count for winter tires because they have that that snow rating on them, right? I know a lot of people have told me in the past, you know, I Mike, I got. I got this truck and I have these four tires on them, they're mud. And if they're not specifically rated for winter, you know, you might get a hard time from your insurance company to get that small discount. But I've actually done a few in the past recently that have said just send me a quick quick photo of the side and I've actually seen, you know, it have the mountain with the snowflake in between. So even though they're larger not necessarily scaled at, or listed as snow, they actually are rated for that and would be would be, you know, applicable for that discount. Interesting. Good
1: to know that. that. was my only
0: little thing. In the past, I didn't necessarily know that and the clients didn't always know that. And I've had two people that have sent me photos, um, just documentation wise, and it actually I saw it right on the side of the tire. So it was something that they learned as well. Interesting. Good to know that. For anyone with bigger tires is the point.
1: Yeah. So we kind of, we've gone over the appearance side of things. We've gone over the performance side of things and kind of all the negatives or not really negatives, but things you should be more like worried about doing to your vehicle. But I kind of wanted to go over some things that modifications that insurance companies obviously don't really have a problem with. And the biggest one I wanted to start with is accessibility purposes. So for example, like any disabilities, so like chair lifts, like hand controls, like custom seating systems, that kind of stuff most of the time i'm not going to say all the time because again every insurance company is going to have a different viewpoint on this but if it is to do with accessibility to someone to be able to, able to drive and it's done properly most insurance companies will not have issues if it's a modification to basically help someone access um a vehicle to basically be able to drive
0: as long as long as they know what mods have been done and what the increased value then of the vehicle is yes because i know for sure and i from the again the few examples that i have had myself personally if you have like a stock caravan and i'll use that because i know there's a lot of those that get um modified into into basically accessibility vehicles is that some of those modifications can be upwards of like 20 grand. For Oh yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, you're taking basically a stock van and then doing some suspension and different things to help get a wheelchair inside, right? So you're actually basically taking a stock and then changing almost the entire structure of that vehicle. Those things 100% need to be disclosed to the insurance company because you're adding significant value into that vehicle. And so if there's a claim, and you want to get all of that value out of it, you have to pay premium on that you have to, they're not just going to cover you because if there's something happens, and that's not disclosed, there's a very high likelihood, they'll give you a stock caravan again, they're not insuring against, you know, the $20,000 extra you've done to it. Yeah, if you're, if
1: you're adding that much value to it, you definitely need to be disclosing that to your insurance company. 110% but again they will not decline you to basically insure a vehicle if you're basically using it for like someone that has a disability or needs more of an accessible way to drive a vehicle right so point that out there another big one too is either safety or security modifications again with how many truck groups I'm in and how many friends drive trucks of mine um, a lot of trucks right now are being stolen so I know a lot of people in my groups and my social networks are putting safety modifications on and secure like security systems, that kind of stuff. So again, those things actually might also qualify for you to have an additional discount because um, obviously if the vehicle is safer, if it's not going to be to be targeted on theft, you might, again, depending on the company, you might also get a break on your insurance premiums. If you have this kind of security systems in your vehicle. And again, like I said, with trucks right now and how they're being stolen, like left, right and center all the time, it might not be a bad idea to kind of look into some aftermarket security systems and possibly get one installed. Again, just gives you peace of mind. And like I said, possibly could even give you a further discount on your insurance. So why not?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm uh no, it's not I, 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 all it's all not all point.
1: it's not all doom and gloom when it comes to modifications. There are some, like I said, that some insurance companies have no problem with. And again, a lot of them do have to come with appearance, security, safety, accessibility, that kind of stuff. It's just you're going to run into the you're going to run into some issues with some insurance companies when it comes to performance enhancing. Like I said, with the lift kits, the lowering kits, exhaust systems, anything in the engine. um, Obviously, one that's kind of funny to read here. Don't add NOS to your car. It's illegal in Canada. And I'm going to probably assume it's also illegal in the States. Don't add that. I know some people like get really carried away. Don't do that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a huge thing, right? Um, yeah, I don't have too much more to add on that. That's, I don't think any insurance company that I'm ever aware of is going to be okay with that. And again, some,
1: I know some people are going to be listening to this and be like, well, then how do I get my vehicle insured? Again, there are, are, there are a lot of options. You just, you don't You just you're just lessening your options a little bit by yeah. having this kind of stuff. Again, I'm kind of with some of the companies that we work with. For example, like Haggerty Insurance, they insure modified vehicles, they insure custom vehicles like kit cars and replicas and street rods and that kind of stuff. So if it is an older vehicle, a classic car, that kind of stuff, Haggerty might be the perfect opportunity to go to. Again, if it's like a lift or anything like that, that we do have companies that will take lifts, no problem. Again, they would rather have it as a factory. And you'll have more options if it is a factory installed lift. But if it's mm-hmm. not, there are still companies that will take that stuff. Just They want to make sure that it's done properly. So again, I don't want to make this episode all doom and gloom that you are not you shouldn't be doing this stuff to your vehicle. But if you are going to be doing this stuff to your vehicle, I want to make sure listeners know the risks and know that there are options. And again, just to disclose this stuff, because at the end of the day, we're just trying to help you. I know like you don't want to be telling us all your personal information. But again, we're here to help you to make sure that we're mitigating accidents from happening. And again, if we can stop claims from being declined or policies from being canceled because of this stuff, I'm just happy to basically give that information to people. And if it helps even one person, I'm happy with that.
0: Well, and the big thing about that, too, is that every company is going to have its own own appetite about what they can do on that and what they're willing to insure. It's not a generalization. So, all I think all those points, James, too, just give people the idea that if they're a with someone and have that, maybe it's a wake up call to say, "Hey, I should maybe make a phone call or discuss this." Or B, it's yeah, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else and get my insurance because maybe they don't have the right fit for what I what I need for my vehicle. Right? There's a couple of different ways you could take that.
1: Yeah, there's so much there's only so much that I could educate and advise cl- my clients on. At the end of the day, it's their decision to make. If 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 I've given them all the points and all the educational points and talking points and what whatnot, and they still don't want to add that onto their insurance or disclose it to me, there's only so much that I can do, right? But again, I right. always even if they're not my client, I will straight up say, you know what? You should have either disclosed that prior to having insurance or if you got it on after the fact, you should have called your insurance company and told them that. And again, some clients will really appreciate that because they are just really unsure. And other clients will be like, well, no, I'm not disclosing that still because they know that there's some insurance companies that will either decline them and make them go somewhere and they might have to pay higher premiums. And again, some companies will say, you know what, we don't have a problem with that. Let's just disclose the value. Let's disclose who, where it was installed, if it was factory, if it was aftermarket and mm-hmm. go on with our day, right? But again, I don't want to make it doom and gloom. There oh, are no. options. It's just like I said, we want to we're educating our clients as much as we possibly can, but at the end of the day, it's obviously up to the client to make that final decision, and if they make the final decision to disclose it, great. If they make the final decision to not disclose it, great. But just know the risks on either side of that discussion.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and the one thing that I'll Say as like an ending point because I think it's really, really important for people to know that it's not always more expensive, right? Um, I think the biggest concern for people is um, you know, we already pay money for car insurance, some of which pay more than others. So if we have something that falls into additional, it's basically saying, Well, why am I going to pay more money for something that I'm already insuring? Right. So if you're paying like a couple hundred dollars a month, they say, You're gonna you're gonna pay. You know, I gotta pay an extra ten dollars a month because I've added, you know, four grand of of upgrades to it. I mean, the counterpoint to that, I would say, to be, to be frank, is yeah, you've you've, you're willing to pay four thousand more to to do some type of appeal, you know, a look or appealing modifications to your car. So you're okay with paying that for the actual appearance, but heaven forbid. You get into a claim, it's not worth paying the five dollars or whatever it is a month to ensure that that value is still protected, right? So it's it's kind of one of those catches, I think, and I get it, I get it. Insurance is something that we all necessarily need, but don't always love, and that's how our industry is. But the the major point was that it's not hundreds of dollars extra per month. It's not like you're going to be paying twice as much for your insurance. It should, it, it probably will, and should be a little bit more in most cases, but. That's just the reality of what what you've done to your vehicle, right? So I guess I'll leave off with that, that it's not it's not the worst case scenario. But if you do, you know, if you're paying for insurance, you want it to be there to cover you. So why, why put that in jeopardy?
1: Yeah. And even just using some simple numbers here, if you're adding a valuation of five thousand dollars to your vehicle and you're insuring it, you're increasing your monthly payments by 10 bucks, times that by twelve, $120, times that by 10. $1,200 times that by another two. So 20 years is basically not even is covering you for half of what the value of that modification might be. So
0: which which, in the reality is insurance, you might need it the very next day, right? So the way you have to think about that is if you've put in $5,000 worth of modifications that your insurance company is okay with, and you're paying $10 a month, let's just say, and in four months you have a claim that you have to utilize that you haven't paid anything into that pool yet, and you're going to be getting money back from them. So it's that's one thing to keep in mind: is that you're kind of offsetting your risk by paying additional monthly premiums. Right? That's really what that that's that's what insurance is in in the grand scope of things. Exactly. But
1: yeah, just kind of ending things off. Um, if you guys didn't check out last week, we had Kim Fam from Four City Mazda on the podcast. So if you haven't checked that episode out, definitely give that a listen. She kind of gave some um, industry insight about what Maz is doing for 2023, some electric vehicle options that they're coming out with. And then again, she kind of just went over some social media stuff again, what she does in social media, I think is very intriguing. She does a really good job on it. Um, So if you guys want to check that episode out, definitely check that one out. Um, Again, we do have some more guests coming up on the show uh, throughout the year. We already have a few locked in. We won't kind of give away who they're going to be on, um, but you'll kind of get that idea a little bit closer to the time that they're going to be recording with us. And again, just always kind of finding new people to get on to kind of give another opinion other than myself and Mike's. Um, So we're definitely doing that. We kind of played around with some intro music for last episode too. So definitely give us your opinions on what you guys are thinking about the intro music, how you guys are liking it again. It's not a set in stone. Um, Yet, again, things obviously can always change. So we're just kind of playing around with that. So let, let us know how you guys feel about that. But, yeah, well, again, we guys appreciate you guys taking your time, the 40, 45, 50 minutes of every week that you guys listen to us. And, uh, again, I really appreciate the uh, listeners every single week.
0: Thanks again for everyone for, for joining us this week. And uh, we will we will see you all next Wednesday, as always.